you all know this already, but there are very few things in life that are common ground between all people. You know, like there's, there's very few things we can kind of agree on or that we all experience. We can't agree on the same sports teams to root for. We can't agree on the best, you know, version of a phone or the best car brand to buy, who the best musical artist is, even though it's Chris Stapleton. I mean, we just, we can't agree on things. There's not that many experiences that are common between all of us. And unfortunately, it's getting even worse. You know, there's, there's more divide between the political parties than ever before. And now there's division between people over health and medical decisions. And like, there's just so few common experiences that we all have. But one of them is this, fear. Every single one of us experience fear and we have fears. Every human being has fear. Male, female, young, old, rich, poor, Democrat, Republican, Christian, atheist, it doesn't matter. Fear is one of those common denominators that is across the board that every single one of us have to deal with. And, and when I say fears, I don't mean like phobias, okay? I'm not talking about fear of spiders or fear of heights or anything like that. Fear in the way of like anxieties, worries, Fears of what might happen. I mean, these, these deep-seated things that we have to deal with that affect our minds, that steal our joy, that rob our peace, that, that alter the way that we live. And I just want you to think for a moment, what is it that you fear? Now, don't say it to anybody else, but just inside, what is maybe one thing that you fear happening? For some of us, our fears are related around money. We fear, we fear where the economy is going, right? Some of us, that, that grips us with terror. That keeps us up at night. That, that we, were, we remember what happened in 2008, 2009 in that recession. And there seem to be a lot of similarities between what happened back then and what's, what's happening now. And, and that fear is starting to rise up in some of us more than it has been in a while. We're, we, we're afraid of inflation. We're afraid of losing our jobs. We're afraid of providing, you know, are we going to be able to provide for our family? What happens when there's more month left at the end of the money? That sort of thing. I mean, is that something that you fear? Does that keep you up at night? Does that drive your life, this worry and this anxiety? What am I going to do if we don't have enough? Maybe you're getting close to retirement age and you think, oh man, did, did I save enough? Did I prepare enough? Am I going to have, am I going to be able to retire? Or maybe, maybe you're retired already and you're living in the middle of it. You didn't save enough. You don't have enough. And what if a medical emergency comes up? Or what if it, what if it runs out? What if, what if you live longer than you? I mean, what, what if you run out of money? Then what? Some of us have legitimate and deep fears regarding the direction our country is heading. And, and that's true for both sides of the aisle. I think no matter where you sit politically, we have a lot of hesitation and anxiety about the way our country is going and recent decisions that have been made in Congress and Supreme Court and upcoming midterm elections. And like, at least in my perspective, our country is right on the tipping point, one way or the other. And, and what's going to happen in the future? What's going to happen after this next election? What's going to happen with your rights or your freedoms or, or, or things in, in our state or even our city? What, what's going to happen? Is that a fear that you have? Some of our fear, this might sound a little funny, but some of us have FOMO, fear of missing out. And that sounds like, oh, just a cute little acronym. But I mean, honestly, 
we have a fear of missing out on something in life. We have a fear that we're not going to be happy. We're not going to have joy. We're not going to be satisfied. And so we try and do everything we can to fill that void. We, we sign our kids up in every single activity, running from place to place, even though it causes more stress than we should deal with. Or we try and buy the new truck and the new cabin and the new ATV and the new boat and the new snowmobile and go on vacation all the time because we just, we can't possibly slow down long enough and evaluate if we're really happy or not because we're afraid of what we're going to find out. We're afraid of missing out on something in life. And so we just run, 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 buy, 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 go, 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 even though it might be financially irresponsible, even though it might be bad time management. We are legitimately afraid of missing out on something that this life has to offer, or we think it has to offer. Some of us have fears when it comes to our, our relationships, you know? We, we fear being rejected, and so we try and be a people pleaser, and we try and overexert ourselves, and we wear masks because we're afraid if people see the real us, they're not going to like us and they'll leave us and we'll lose friends or we'll lose family members. Or, or maybe, maybe you're married and you're afraid of a divorce and so there's some unhealthiness going on and like, what if I get divorced and then am I going to be able to make it all this sort of stuff? Or maybe you have a fear about, you know, a loved one has an illness or is getting up there and what's life going to be like if they're not around? If you're a parent, I'm sure you have fears about your kids. Fears about their health, fears about their well-being, fears about what type of world they're going to grow up in, fears about who their friends are going to be, fears about decisions they're going to make someday, fears about what, you know, the, the direction they might end up in. Is, is it what we want? Is it what we're raising? These real fears that we have. What's your fear? Keeps you up at night. And maybe, I think sometimes we, we just live with this low-level fear so much, we can't even pinpoint it anymore. It's just fear of uncertainty. It's fear of losing control. It's fear of the what-ifs. What if she doesn't? What if he doesn't? What if my child can't? What if I don't? What if my job does? What, what if, fill in the blanks, whatever it is, is that what you fear. Or, let me ask it another way. Why are you afraid? Now, to be honest, this is not my question. This is a question from Jesus. This question right here is something that Jesus asked his disciples on at least one occasion. Um, it's recorded in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But we're going to read the story found in Mark. And the story starts off like this. As evening came... Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. So, so here's kind of what's happening, right? Jesus has just spent a long day doing Jesus things, okay? Speaking to large crowds, teaching about God, explaining the kingdom of God, probably doing some miracles, just a lot of being around people, and he's tired, okay? He's, he's pooped, he's had a long day, he needs a little R&R, &R, he needs a little peace and quiet, and so he says to his friends, listen, let's kind of leave the crowds behind. Let's go away. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's, let's sleep eight hours, and then we'll get up tomorrow morning and kind of do it all over again. However, as the story goes on, in the lake, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus, the ever-observant guy, was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. 
Now, we read this, these couple sentences, just think, okay, what's the next sentence say? But I want you to put yourself in their shoes, right? Now, some of these disciples would have been fishermen. They would have been out on, this is in the Sea of Galilee. They would have been out here before, had experienced something similar, but not all of them. And this was not just any storm, okay? This was a bad storm. This was like a perfect storm sort of thing. It's late at night. There might be thunder and lightning. Who knows? But waves are not just hitting the boat. They are crashing in over top. And they're not riding some cruise liner. They're riding like a, you know, a little trolling sort of boat, right? They are, they are fearful for their lives. They, they are caught up in this storm completely unprepared. The Sea of Galilee is not like Fish Lake, okay? The Sea of Galilee behaves more like an ocean than Fish Lake. They find themselves in this incredibly crazy, strong, fierce storm. And like any sane person, they are fearful for their lives, okay? The disciples woke him up, woke Jesus up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Teacher, we're going to die. Jesus, you see everything's going down. Wake up, Jesus. Are you awake? Are you paying attention? Do you know what's going on? Have you ever been there with your fears? I mean, maybe not in a, in a boat in the Sea of Galilee, but have you ever cried out to God before? God, where are you? God, are you listening? God, do you even care? Do you see what's going on around me? Do you see how afraid I am? Do you see what's happening? Are you paying attention? You see, the disciples found themselves in a boat in the sea. And maybe you're dealing with a, a terminal illness of a loved one, but it's the same fear on the inside. It's, it's a different situation. It's the same fear. The disciples had waves crashing in, and maybe your finances are crashing down around you, but it's the same root emotion, that fear, that panic, that worry, that anxiety. What's going to happen? God, do you care? Do you see what's going on? The disciples were, were moments away from maybe losing their lives, and maybe you feel that way with a loved one, or maybe you even have lost a loved one. And you've said the same things to God. The disciples said to Jesus, God, do you even care? Do you see how afraid I am? Do you see what's going on? Are you paying attention at all, God? That's not where the story ends. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. The thing that had just a moment earlier gripped the disciples with fear was instantly done away with. With just his words, Jesus calmed the stormy sea. And then this happens. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? I don't know if that's how he really said it, but when I read this story, when I read this account, that's, that's like kind of the tone and the picture I, I think Jesus said. What? Wait, why were you guys afraid? Why are you afraid? Do, do you still have no faith? And this is the question from Jesus that, that the disciples had to deal with, and almost 2,000 years later, it's a question that you and I have to come face to face with as well. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid online? Why am I afraid? Why? Why are we afraid? Now, on the surface, that's a pretty easy question to answer. I'll tell you why I'm afraid, Jesus. Because uh, there's waves crashing in. I'll tell you why I'm afraid, Jesus. Have you seen what's happening with the economy? I'll tell you why I'm so scared, Jesus. It's because my mom or dad or brother or sister or child, that's why I'm afraid. 
But, but that's a surface-level answer, honestly, to a surface-level understanding of the question. If you and I dig a little bit deeper, I think this question from Jesus, why are you afraid, is one of the most piercing and revealing questions that Jesus ever asked. Why are you afraid? And then to make it even worse, he adds, he makes it personal. Do you still have no faith? Now, if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't consider yourself a Christian, the obvious answer is no, I don't have faith. Okay, I get it. I understand that. that that's okay. Listen, if I could just say one thing to you, it's that I hope you keep coming back and keep discovering the truth about Jesus Christ and keep pursuing um, kind, of, kind of what your beliefs are. But I don't think that's most of us. I think the majority of us would consider ourselves Christians. And so these questions from Jesus, why are you afraid you still have no faith, makes them all the more challenging. Because really what Jesus is getting at is trust. Where's your trust? You see, on one hand, Jesus was telling these disciples, why are you so afraid? He was challenging their lack of trust in what he could do. I imagine maybe, maybe, maybe Mark didn't record the whole conversation, but maybe Jesus could have said, why are you so afraid? Like, like didn't, weren't you just with me today? Why are you so afraid? Haven't you seen me do miracles yet? Why, why are you so afraid? Why are you allowing your fear to overshadow your trust in what I can do? And I think with some of our fears, maybe not all of them, but some of them, Jesus might ask us the same question. Why are you so afraid? Do you not trust that I can do something in this situation? Because here's the truth. God still works miracles. God still does the supernatural. God can still calm the storms in our lives with just a word. Sometimes I wonder, do we believe that? Do we have enough faith to believe that God can still work and do his supernatural awesome God thing? Because God is just as real, just as powerful, and just as active in our world today as he ever was. The things we read about in the Gospels or the Bible are not these, these miracles that God did. They're not confined to the pages of history, like just read about them and wish it could happen for you. No, they can happen for us. God still does work in our world today and do miracles. Don't we, those of us that are Christians, don't we claim to worship a God who made the blind see and the lame walk? Do we think a diagnosis is like beyond his control? Don't we claim to believe in a God who parted the Red Sea and made the sun stand still in the sky? Do, I mean, do we really think our retirement portfolio is outside of the scope of his intervention? Like, oh, that's off limits. God can't, God can't do anything there. Really? I mean, didn't, didn't God raise people from the dead? Not the least of which being his own son. Do we really, I mean, honestly, why do you and I have to be afraid? God still works and God still does miracles and God is able to intervene in a supernatural way to eliminate the storms that we fear. But I know what some of us are thinking. Why hasn't he done it for me then? Right? I mean, let's be honest. I know that's what's going through our head. That's what's going through my head too. If he can do that, why hasn't he done it for me? 
Why, didn't, why isn't my mom healed? Why are my kids still going this way? Why is my bank account this way? Why is my job this way? Listen, I believe, I've prayed, I've called out to God and, and nothing's happening. What's going on there? And listen, I, I get it, okay? I live in the real world too, okay? I don't just have a home backstage and like just hang out here. I understand, I understand what life is like. I know inflation and things with our kids and, and the fears of this world. But, but listen, please, if you don't get anything else out of today, please pay attention to this. I think it's in these moments where this question from Jesus matters the most. The miracle doesn't happen. The healing doesn't come. When your kids head the wrong direction, when the money runs out, then where is our trust? It's easy to trust God when everything's going great and the seas are calm. And it's easy to trust God when he does a miracle. What if he does? I don't know why he doesn't. I can't give you a reason for that. God is a sovereign God and he has his will. I don't even try and pretend. I don't even ask the why question anymore. But if he doesn't, in your life, in your life, in my life, if he doesn't do a miracle or the miracle that we want, then where is our trust? Because trusting in what God can do for us, the ways he can work, is one thing. And maybe that's a place we got to start when we're in the middle of fear, when anxiety and worry has gripped us. But trusting in God himself is the ultimate remedy for our fears. And, and ultimately speaking, this life is not all there is. Just what it comes down to. Now, I don't, I don't say that to make light or to, to try and downplay anything that we might be facing. Listen, I know our fears are real. I know we live in an uncertain world. I know there's a lot of hurts and anxieties and worries. I get that. But at the end of the day, even if the thing that we fear the most actually happens, this life is not all there is. It is a vapor. It is a mist. It's here today and it is gone tomorrow. So much of what Jesus talked about and taught about had to do with getting a bigger perspective. That there's more to this life than just the 80 short years that we live on this little blue planet. Eat, wake up, go to work, sleep, and do it all. There's more to life that, in fact, real life, true life doesn't even begin until after this life is done. The Apostle Paul talks about this in his letter to the Colossians. He says this, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Okay, those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, since we've been made right with God, since we can experience his presence now, since we know what it's like to have a relationship with him, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Listen, think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. For you died to this life to the power of this life, to, to the fears of this life. You died to that in your real life. Your true life is hidden with Christ in God. And guess what? When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you're going to share in all of his glory. I think Paul, Paul says, hey, listen, listen, don't, don't get caught up so much in this life that you completely forget about eternal life. Now, there, 
There are so many applications of that that we could take. We could spend a year just talking about Colossians chapter 3. But when it comes to our fears, I think Paul might say to some of us, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, like God talking through Paul, he might write, listen, don't set your sights on your fears. Set your sights on heaven. Don't get caught up in the worry about today or tomorrow. Think about the things of heaven. Think about God and his glory and what he's promised us. And and guess what? Someday when Jesus comes back, we all win. Okay, we win. It's good news. This is fantastic. Set your minds on the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. And I'll I'll tell you for me, this this Colossians chapter 3, at least for me, has been one of the most transformational sections of scripture in my life. This This is even with like, John 3.16 and verses about salvation and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and being ambassadors for God. This has absolutely transformed the way I think. And I don't always get it right, okay? I'm not trying to say like, oh, look at me. But I mean thinking about the things of heaven has, has made a huge difference in my life. Because the reality is life isn't always going to be perfect, Life isn't going to be easy. Kevin talked about that last week. It's not all roses and happy endings. But God has promised us an eternity with him, an eternity that is so long and so awesome and so amazing, it's going to make like our time here seem like that. A couple years ago, a, a friend of mine lost his son to stillbirth. And, uh, it, I mean, it was like nine months along in the pregnancy. Um, his son was fully developed. I mean, sh- the, his, his wife had to give birth, and his son came out with hair and everything. And, like, here, here's, here's my friend and his wife, and they had to hold their dead son in their hands. And when they came home from the hospital, I went over to their house, and I, I brought him some meals. And I remember it was just him and I standing outside his front door. And, like, what? What do you say when somebody loses a child, right? That's like that for many of us that are parents, that is our number one fear. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this if something happens to my kids. And he's living it, okay? His worst fear came true. And what do you, I mean, like, what do you say? Like, ugh, buck up. No, there's like, there's no words to describe. And so we're just standing there for a while. And I'm not much of a hugger, but like just, we're standing there. And I, I just finally tell him like, good thing this crappy life isn't all there is. That's all I could think of to say. He said, listen, good thing that this painful, horrible, worst fear happened, crappy life that you are experiencing right now, good thing that's not all there is. And I told him those words out of pain and and sorrow and sadness. My heart was breaking for him and his family. But I think, I, I mean, I just believe with all my heart, I think God would look at us and say those exact same words, but with joy and anticipation and excitement. Hey, hey, good thing this life isn't all there is. You wouldn't believe what I've got in store for you. Good thing this life isn't, yeah, maybe you've had a good life, but guess what? It's going to blow your mind what I've prepared for you. Good thing this painful, I know you're afraid, I know you're scared, I know the world is falling out around you, but good thing this life isn't all there is. Good thing there's more than just this life. So, so tell me again, why, why are you afraid? I think God looks and says, hey, listen, listen, there's so much more than just what you're experiencing right now. Why 
are you so afraid? Why are you letting this consume you? I, I think of it like, like maybe you've had a, a toddler or a small child in the back and the first time you take them through a car wash, right? It's dark and it's scary and the rains and the waves are crashing in around the car and there's maybe lights flashing and these big brushes are going by and there's, there's loud sounds and it's scary. From the child's perspective, this is the most horrible thing ever. Oh my gosh, when is this going to end? I feel like these things are going to totally devour me. But as a parent, just, okay, calm down, calm down. Guess what? This car wash isn't going to last forever. I know it sounds scary. I know you think your life's going to end, but just wait till we see the sun on the other side. I think God might say the same thing to us. Wait till you see the sun on the other side. This life isn't all there is. If, if we could have a conversation with God in the middle of our fears, I think he would say things like, listen, I, I, know, I know my son talked about this all the time, that my kingdom's not a kingdom of this world and whatever. And, and listen, I know I inspired Peter and John and Paul and some others to, to write down some letters. And I, I did some miracles to kind of collect them all together and, and save them for you to read. But, but let's, let me let you in on a little secret, okay? His life isn't all there is. There's so much more. Didn't I promise you an eternity with me? I think God would say to us, listen, didn't I send my one and only son so that you could be with me forever? Didn't I tell you, give you a little travel brochure about heaven and how beautiful it's going to be and that there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more fear because the old order of things has passed away. Why are you afraid? Why am I afraid? There's a very familiar few verses that, especially if you've been a Christian for a while or been around church for a while, you've heard this so many times. You've probably read it. It's probably underlined in your Bible. It's found in Romans chapter 8, and some of you already know where I'm going, but just listen for a minute, okay? Every, let's all of us try and like, let's, let's pretend like this is the first time we are ever hearing these words, Okay? Pretend you've never heard any message about it before. You're in the middle of something fearful. And a friend, a trusted friend that you know has experienced God and you know wouldn't lie to you, writes you and me, writes us these words. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Now, I don't know about you, but those sound like fearful situations. Those sound like situations that we try to avoid. We, we don't want to be hungry. We don't want to be in danger. We, we're, we're afraid of death, either for ourselves or for a loved one. And Paul says, listen, does that mean, not, I mean, he uses the word if, but I think the implication is really when. Listen, when these things happen, does that mean that God doesn't love us anymore? Does that mean that we have good reason to be afraid? Does that mean that we should be fearful and just kind of huddle up and sit in our worry and anxiety? Is that what that means? No. I wish, I wish when Paul wrote he had like bigger text or something. No. Despite all these things, despite whatever fears we may, might face, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Who loved us. He goes on to say this, and I am convinced, okay, I'm absolutely sold. This is the truth. This is the reality. I know my fear sounds big. I know it seems overwhelming. I know the waves are crashing in, but I'm going to build my life on this firm foundation. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. How can you and I, those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, how can we possibly justify our fears? Now, I'm not saying we won't be afraid, okay? We're humans. We, we've we got to deal with, with our flaws and our insecurities in this life. But, but in light of these words, how can we possibly hold on to or hang on to our fear? See, the question from Jesus is this. Why, why are you afraid? In light of who God is, in light of what he's done, in light of what he's promised us, in light of eternity, in light of how short this life is, why are you afraid? Why am I afraid? But there's another question, a question that I want to ask. This is a question from Shaheen. And this is personal. This is uncomfortable. Many of us probably will not like the answer to this question, at least if we're honest, but this is just as important. What does my fear say about my trust in God? Just think about that for a moment for yourselves. What does my fear, whatever you're holding on to, whatever's controlling your life, whatever keeps you up at night, whatever you think is beyond the scope or the ability of God, whatever you think he can't work or mirror, what does my fear say about my trust in God? Because see, the way, I, the way I see it, kind of a black and white sort of guy, I really think there's only two options. Okay, we can continue to hold on to our fear, and we can allow our fears of the economy to steal our joy, and we can allow our, you know, our fear of the nation to, to rob us of peace. And we can keep holding on to fear of what my kids are going to do. And are they going to be safe? And are they going to, that can steal our, like, our just, oh, our, our peace, our security, our joy, whatever, those sorts of things. Or, or we can surrender those fears to God, trust him instead. Now, I don't mean be irresponsible. Trusting God doesn't mean that we quit doing our part. Okay, that's a message for another time. But when I say trust God, I mean this, that we trust him with the results. We trust that God is able to move if he chooses and that he's still good and loving even if he doesn't. Or at least not in the way that we wanted him to. The Apostle John writes in one of his letters, he says, perfect love casts out fear. The perfect love of God drives out, it expels fear from our lives. And, and here's the thing, it's the answer every single week, it's the answer to every single problem, but the more you and I spend time with God, the more we experience his love, the more we allow him to draw our hearts and our minds to the realities of heaven and eternity, the more we do that, the more we trust God, the more our fears dissipate. The more those things are removed 
from our lives. And, and listen, if, if, if trusting God, if that sounds impossible, if that sounds like just pie-in-the-sky pastor talk, you don't have to do it. Okay, we, we, We've all got a free will. We're all big boys and big girls. We can choose to do what we want with our lives. But if you find yourself tired, weary, sick of carrying that burden, and I don't want to be afraid anymore, then I just want you to know that there is an offer from God open to every single one of us, any time, any place, come to me. He has open arms, and he will overcome those fears in our lives when we trust him.